Hey everybody, man, I have not done an intro for a podcast in a while. I've had some really great people loan me their voices for podcast intros. Thank you for doing those intros for me. And uh, just wanted to let you know that this podcast is definitely a step away from the subject of, of BMX that I certainly love. But I think it's nice to mix it up once in a while and try something different. So I think, uh, I really think this is something you guys will enjoy. My um, my passion for, for hiking is is pretty big. I have did a lot of hiking when I was out of BMX for a bit. And the AT, the Appalachian Trail, has always kind of been the, the pinnacle of hiking. So... Red Panda slash Danielle is our guest this week, and she is pretty amazing. So not only will you hear quite a bit about the her Appalachian Trail through hike of over, gosh, almost 2,200 miles over five months, but you also hear about her world travel and not being able to kind of be in one place for too long because the world is just too big to pass up. So I think... Quite a few of you will identify with this. I know a bunch of people I've met through BMX uh, traveled to Europe and South Africa, as well as Asia, Australia, just all over the place. And I think it's I think it's pretty cool. So I think you'll enjoy that part of the interview as well. So once in a while, I will be stepping aside from the BMX podcast and adding something else that I have interest in and in hopes that you will as well. So enjoy. I guess I'll see you guys coming up, maybe some of you, at the Old Fool's Jam at Ray's the second weekend of January, as well as the Welcome Jam at the Will Mill the weekend after that. And the weekend after that, uh, I may be up in Rye, New Hampshire for a day up there with some Rhode Island and Massachusetts friends. So We'll see what happens there. Hope to see hope to see you guys. So lots of other really cool podcasts coming up. I've got at least five of them that I need to record in the next three weeks, maybe. But uh but keep an eye out for those or an ear out for those. They should be really good. Looking forward to them. Enjoy this episode and let me know what you think. Have a great upcoming New Year's and be safe and be happy and I'll see you soon. See you in 2020. Okay, so I normally don't do podcasts with people that hike or anyone other than BMX people. So this is this is special gonna be special exception. Totally special exception, but it's something I've wanted to know about through hiking specifically because I I've hiked enough that I, I know I enjoy it, but I also know that by the time I realized <laughs> that would be something I'd want to do, it was a little bit too late. So maybe it's never too late. Maybe the later. Just gonna find the right opportunity or yeah. make the right opportunities, probably. That's what you accurate. did, right? Yeah, Basically. it's a combination of yeah. good timing and yeah. All right. It was you mostly did. good timing. Mm-hmm. Have that opportunity, so. Need a louder voice. <laughs> I can't help you there. 
you were saying that the timing was was good for you to do it. Yeah. For multiple reasons. Um, yeah, multiple reasons. I mean, your biggest barriers to a through hike are, I guess there's probably three, is time, money, and your physical condition. Right. So I had just come back from South Korea, mm-hmm. and I got, you pay into your pension there, but because okay. you leave and you're not a South Korean citizen, they refund you that money when you leave. Oh. So I had a, a, like a small chunk of money that would fund partially yeah. fund a through hike and yeah. I didn't have a career or a job lined up when I came back. Yeah. So it just kind of fell into place that it made uh-huh. sense to do it then before I got on any kind of career track or got weighed down by anything else. Responsibilities. Yes, exactly. Of some kind. <laughs> the things gotcha. I try to avoid now. The thing you try to I've avoid. I've learned my now. lesson, yeah. Yeah. It's good and bad. Yeah. I don't know. From what I understand, and we'll talk about it more, it seems to have worked out pretty much just right. It because did. Because other things fell into place. It but. did, yeah. And they have. And a lot of that was partially because of the AT. You know, it kind of mm-hmm. helped me determine what I wanted to do. Hey, maybe I should just read the Henry David Thoreau quote before <laughs> before I can't. Because uh, it fits now. So I'll go back and forth with things that I think fit. But um, I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life and see if I could not learn from what it had to teach and not, when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. Uh, I think a lot of people will actually recognize that quote. Um, yeah. Aside from, from you and I. Probably. Even if you don't read throughout, it seems like that quote well, it resonates with a lot of people because, you know, Yeah. I think as human beings, not everyone, but most of us find solace in nature. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of what we're built for. That's why they tell people to go nature bathing now. Oh. They, they prescribe time in nature because it's healing. You know, it's good for us. That's, I didn't know that. You never heard of that? No, no. It's a thing. It is? Yeah. They call it nature bathing. Nature you just bathing. go sit in the woods and... So it, obviously it's not in the literal context of bathing. bathing it's just no. like immerse it's like bathing yourself. yourself in gotcha. nature. I thought so, course. but I have, I have yeah. a guy that well, listens. When I first heard of it too, I was like, what? If I take outdoor showers? Yeah, that's no. crazy. Um, one of my friends, one of my BMX friends, Mason Ritter, hello. I know you'll understand this in a different way. Uh, he takes nature bathing to a whole other level. Not immersion in the way. <laughs> I think they call him Nature Boy still, but Mason's in his twenties. He's he's really cool. He's the only person I've let tattoo me. Really? Yeah. I didn't know you had a tattoo. I sometimes didn't remember I had one either until I, you know, showering and looking at. Oh. Yeah. You know, I'll show you now. I have to. Uh, It's like the typical uh, placement of someone that that is like not sure if work would. Oh yeah. Well, that's that's Oh, I like that. Yeah. That was after I rejected Mason's idea of putting the uh, state of Pennsylvania emblem on there with with, uh, with BMX in the middle of it. What's that? Why Pennsylvania? He lives in Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the Pittsburgh guys. So, not necessarily significance to you, but more significance to him? Yeah, yeah. It may be what he practiced most before I decided to let That's him tattoo cute. me. Yeah. 
but anyway, I, I, uh, it did, it didn't take me too long, too long to figure out what I wanted on there. But anyway, that's what I put on there. But that's for a story after we're done talking about okay. you, talking with you about that's you, fair. Um, because it's, it's, I don't know, it's, well, it's a deeper story. So anyway, uh, so I wanted to tell you why else I was into the AT before we start. Um, I've always loved the idea of being self-sufficient. I love the idea of, of doing endurance type of things, not like beat yourself down endurance, but just like Test a long yourself. challenge yourself. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's it doesn't have to be competing, but whether it's running. Yeah, I've never been competitive. Distance. What's that? I've never been competitive. When did you realize that you didn't like competing and that this? There were other things out oh, there. Even when I was young, like probably even elementary school, even in school, I just there was always that like innate social pressure to do well, and you know you have to do well in school, you have to go to college, and yeah. after a while it just became too much. And I never really enjoyed sports, mm-hmm. you know, just because it just takes the fun out of it when you're always trying to be better than someone else. Some so, people love it and they thrive. On mm-hmm. competition, it pushes them to be better, but not me. Boy, we're going to be talking about school probably more than more before we talk <laughs> about the rest of this. But now you were, still are, super, I don't know, you could grasp a lot because you did very well in high school, I right? Did, yeah. Were you the salutatorian? I was the valedictorian. You were the valedictorian. Of okay. my high school class, yeah. But it was only like 80 kids in the class, so. There was only 80 of them? Yeah. I think there were 80, 81 in yeah. my graduating class. Pretty Small amazing. school. Yeah. So. Yeah. But that's pretty cool. That's, uh, to be able to do that and not be in athletics at all must have been... Yeah. Did the counselors like try to push you? Because yeah, a little. I tried to make up with it. Yeah. Make up for it by doing other extracurriculars. Yeah. So. You went to Brown, right? Yep. Brown University. So... That's not an athletic school uh, for the most part, or am I wrong on that? No. I mean, it's not like way up there, but they had some good athletic programs, which oh, I was not at all interested in. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Well, you didn't go to school based on athletics. No. Along with your... Not at all. ...successful yeah. schooling. Yeah, so. so. Let's just say I would think the Val Victorian title would be enough. I don't think they'd look for anything else, but I would think when you're in high school and, and maybe they're trying to help you maximize yeah, your... Yeah, but then you, you go to valedictorian of your high school, but then you go to an Ivy League school and everybody there was valedictorian <laughs> of their high school and it's a good reality check of you're not the top dog anymore. Yeah. You know? Oh Suddenly you're average. Wow. Which is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, it probably makes you more ambitious maybe to, to... I know you said you weren't competitive, but to maybe challenge yourself to... Yeah. To be the best you... or. It, it took the best you could be. Right. It's not easy anymore. Not that it was ever easy. Yeah. You know, I would, in high school, all I did was study and read. Yeah. But then it, it's a whole new level. Why don't we get right into it? I need you on this one big time. So you have to speak up and tell the story. But can you give the listeners an idea of just exactly what the AT, what exactly it, it is? A lot of people don't know. Start, finish, length amount of states it goes through, whatever you want to uh, to say on that okay. to help people understand. The basics of the basics? The basics of the basics before we get into the 
to more personal stuff about your hike, your okay. through hike of the AT. And I hope I said that at the beginning, but so go for it, whatever you got. All right, so Appalachian Trail is a long trail, a hiking trail, continuous trail that goes from Springer Mountain, Georgia, to Mount Katahdin in Maine, which is in Baxter State Park. So when I hiked, it was 2,189.2 miles. And every year, the trail gets rerouted, moved. Um, mm-hmm. There's a bridge in Harper's Ferry that just got taken out by a, or a train oh, no. derailment. went like right off the mm-hmm. bridge. And the trail, people would have to walk across that bridge in Harper's Ferry <laughs> to oh, get across no. the river. So they've been telling people to shuttle around it. Mm-hmm. So that's going to yeah. add, add some time and maybe... They'll have to change the mileage to make up for it somehow. Who knows? I don't know if they mm-hmm. can replace the bridge. But anyway, right. it's a long trail. Mm-hmm. So people hike it in all different ways. It's traditional to hike northbound. So start in Georgia and hike to Maine. But because it's so popular for people to do that, people are kind of mixing it up and they'll go southbound. They'll start at Mount Katahdin in Maine and they'll go south to Georgia or they'll start in Harper's mm-hmm. Ferry, which is like kind of the midpoint. Mm-hmm. And they'll hike north and then go back to Harper's Ferry and hike south. And do it uh, however, however they can make it work. Yeah, For a through it. hike, which is hiking it all at once in the same mm-hmm. calendar year is a lot of what people technically consider a through hike. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's people who you know hike it on the weekends. Right, and you do know, sections. Or, and... Or do sections over years and years and years to complete the whole thing. Or mm-hmm. Maybe just hike it once. How many, uh, approximately, how many thru-hikers are there a year? I have no idea now. And would I you think there was the maybe hundreds? like, fi- I think there were maybe 1,500. 1,500? The year I did it, maybe. Oh, but every really? year it gets more and more popular. Mm-hmm. That's quite a few. Yeah, it's I a think. lot. Because it's, it's a pretty intense... Um, it's just a pretty intense endeavor, yeah. Endeavor, yeah. yeah thank you. That's what I was kind of looking for. So I, I, I mean, I'm surprised there's 1,500. And then the time and all that we talked about. And I about, don't think, but... I don't necessarily know if that's how many finish. Mm-hmm. Because maybe like a third, 25% finish. Mm-hmm. But the number that start out is probably between 1,500 and 2,000. Yeah. That's... Well, yeah, actually. So maybe they, you have to register, right, in the beginning? You might have to now. Yeah. They were starting to do a... The year I hiked, which was 2015, they were starting to do like a like trial version of uh-huh. getting people to register so that they could try and scatter the start dates uh-huh. so that the trail wouldn't be totally overrun with people starting all at the same time. Because ah, okay. it's just getting overused yeah. and abused. How do they control that? I mean, they can't really. Mm-hmm. They try that. I mean, I'm sure at some point they might put a mandatory permit system in. Mm-hmm. But I don't. Like I, you, I have no idea how they would be able to enforce that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of like a small version of, in, in this respect, what we're talking about of uh, Everest. I mean, you. Yeah. I mean, you really have to. I mean, you have to. You can't just like book up there and not tell anyone yeah right? exactly and usually have a guide but anyway so it's a whole different place it's named close but that's highly regulated because it's so dangerous right so um yeah thankfully this 
isn't dangerous as far as I know. Um, were the, I'll get this question out of the way early because this is, a, this is a tough one for me to ask. Was it scary at all at any point? Or was it an adjustment period? Because you did hike solo, right? Yes, for the most part. I mean, you, you, you I didn't go into it. met up with people along it. the way. And sure, yeah. Made friends, but the vast majority of the time I was alone. And you didn't, so you didn't plan it with someone else no, and, and all that? not at all. I didn't want to hike with anyone else mm-hmm. because I wanted it to be my hike. And there's, that's like a little phrase that people use, is hike your own hike. Mm-hmm. And when you're with someone else, you have to take all of their needs and their wants uh-huh. into account. And if they get hurt, you have to wait for them. Or right. if they don't want to hike as far in a day, wait for them. Or if they want to go farther, you got to push on. Yeah. I didn't want to do that. I, I mean, wanted to do what I wanted ways. to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see how that would be really difficult to, uh, to find, if, even if you wanted to, to find someone that you, you were kind of similar, you, you knew that you could handle the distance but you don't really know that until you, until you really get into it, right? Yes. Just being on the trail, um, there's a lot of people like you that were solo hiking, I'm sure, right? Right. So The vast me- majority of people. Yeah. And then uh, having that whole element of, you know, you're far away from roads, anything. So You never know your, when you're going to have soul service. You never know when you're yeah. going to see another person. Yeah. Right. Whether you're a woman or a man, is that a real fear for some people on the trails? On the trail, I should say, singular. On the AT. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I feel like I wasn't scared of anything. Which is... In retrospect, which was stupid, but... No, I don't... It was just, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And especially like when I first started, the trail was packed with people. Mm-hmm leaving at the same time, you yeah. know, trying to make the best of the weather. You know, you want to start as early as you can so you have the biggest mm-hmm. window of opportunity, but you don't want to end up in the snow and the ice and freezing. When you get to Katahdin. In the beginning or the end, so... Oh, right, right. It's still kind it's of still late, cold, late you winter know? or early, early spring. Early spring, it can still mm-hmm. get pretty nasty weather-wise. Yeah, yeah. So I never felt unsafe... Because I always knew there was someone else around. Even if I... Really? Yeah. I mean, the trail is so busy mm-hmm. that you're never too far away from other people. That blows my mind because I, I keep envisioning this as being like hiking the AT in Connecticut. Certain times of the year, you hardly run into... Yeah. Say so pat- but like peak through hiking season, mm-hmm. if you stood on that trail, yeah. you'd probably see at least a dozen people a day. So if you're... St- if most people are starting, or that many people, however many it is, are starting in uh, Georgia, uh, so those people kind of obviously spread out in different amounts, but you end up kind of at, at the same place sometimes? Yeah, so on... they call it a bubble. Like the main mm-hmm. bubble of hikers kind of migrates together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you break away from the bubble sometimes. You end up in behind or you end up in front. Mm-hmm. And the bubble breaks up, so there's smaller groups sporadically spread out. Mm-hmm. But still, like, the main concentration of people is generally in the same area at the same time. Right. And yeah. as people hike farther and farther north, they drop out. So by the time that I was in, like, New England, there were very, very few people relative to Georgia on the trail. But But by then, like, you're on the trail long enough that you know the other people that are 
in the area because you've hiked past them or they've passed you and people start to look familiar Mm -hmm. and every shelter on the trail has um a a log book Mm -hmm. so you read each other's notes and you kind of get a sense of where everyone is and you kind of look for your friends and so you know pretty much who you want to not be in the bubble oh yes definitely (laughs) and i was lucky i trained a lot in the beginning Mm -hmm. and i just kind of booked it past the bubble Mm-hmm. You know, I hiked fast enough that I left a lot of people behind. Wait, Just, when did you train? At home? Yeah, during the winter. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you started April 1st, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. I got my backpack and I put sacks of flour and sugar and my mother's <laughs> cookbooks in it. And I would walk around town. Oh, my gosh. Does your mother know In the know freezing this? cold weather. Yeah. Because I could just she imagine She used to have to pick me up. I'd like walk to Torrington and be like, yeah, you got to pick me up at Big Y. That's I'm tired of walking. How long did you train for? Uh, I probably started in dis- December. Yeah. I think like October, November was when I decided that I really wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And started training. Wow. Like really training. I don't think I ever asked you why exactly you wanted to, to do it. I had a couple things that, that I learned about you when I was reading the blog. I, I had written about what brought you to the to the idea of of hiking the AT, and I had put down education because you're an environmental uh, science major. Yep. Right. Environmental studies. Environmental studies. Okay. Technical. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Everything's it has to be technical <laughs> at some point. Plain old education and life experiences and and all. And had you hiked any other trails really before? Yes, but I had never backpacked. Mm-hmm. So I came back from South Korea where I taught English for two years and was utterly directionless. And I I came back and I went to Acadia National Park where I had been an intern after college and was an intern again with their environmental education Mm -hmm. program. So I lived in the national park. Um, And after living in the city for two years, it was a a very welcome drastic change to be back outside with Mm -hmm. trees and the ocean and hiking trails and mountains. And it was my friend, Alexa, who's a ranger Mm -hmm. at Acadia national park. She's an education ranger there. Um, who through hiked about 10 years before I ended up through hiking. Oh, cool. And there were some other interns, a retired couple at the park who were asking her about her through hike. So she brought in like all of her old photographs and was telling them uh-huh. about it, and I wanted to know. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. wanted to hear all about it. Oh, so you kind of eavesdrop on I that. Eavesdrop and, like, and was like, "Can you tell me too?" And it sounded like the greatest thing ever. And that was the summer before, or a couple summers before. That was the fall before. So I came oh. back from South Korea in like September. Oh, right, right, right. And this okay. program is for middle school kids during the school year. Mm-hmm. So like September, October, November. I was yeah. up at Acadia uh-huh. as an intern, and that's awesome. especially like coming back from the city and being outside again. I just that's all I wanted was to stay outside. Mm-hmm. Not that I loved Seoul and I liked living in the city, but mm-hmm. it wasn't. It wasn't, last it wasn't my long term right. goal. You right. know? It was fun while it lasted, but it wasn't what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Were you also in Japan for a time? So or my, was it just visiting? Just visiting. Okay. So I, I did a backpacking trip a couple of years after the AT. Um, and my sister mm-hmm. 
moved to Japan. She lived in Korea for a year, then moved to Japan, uh-huh. and she's still there. Yeah. Um, but I never lived there right. long term. I visited her quite a few times. But gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I well, like I like South Korea a lot more than I like Japan from my really? limited experience of Japan. But we have to get into that later on. Uh, I I have post hike hikes and post hike goals and all that that I'd love to hear about uh, yes. when we when we get. Uh, and you're have I, had I hiked trails before? Question is funny because my father will never stop giving me grief about how he used to have to force me to hike as a child. Oh. I hated it. Uh, yeah. I hated it. Uh-huh. We would go to Haystack yeah. or Mount Tom, and I would have absolutely no desire to hike. Oh, I was not man. an active child. Yeah. But now yeah. it's all I want to do. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, but you just came around to it on your own, but fortunately you had yeah. some experience, a little bit. Yeah, and especially living in the park for a while, mm-hmm. you know, I would hike the trails there on my days off. So I started to really get back into hiking. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So parents are actually right sometimes. Yes, sometimes. Sometimes they're right. And they will never stop rubbing it in. <laughs> I haven't been right yet, so I have nothing to rub <laughs> in at all. I've always wondered this the, at Mohawk Mountain. Instead of continuing on kind of a, a straight uh, route along a ridge, basically, at one point before that, the what's now the Mohawk Trail, maybe? Yeah, so that used to be, to be the AT. AT. Yeah. So I don't know why they changed it. I don't know if it was I don't know. another I don't know. kind of access issue where Could they be. couldn't make it connect. Or did it have something to do with the Cathedral Pines during that... Um, the tornado be, yeah. that yeah, that, I have no idea. Tornado, right? But anyhow, uh, my question is: is that that was like a real? That was adding a few miles. You yeah, know, and that, that happens all the time. Like every year, that mileage changes. I had written down. I I was not really sure because, or I should say, there were two distances: the the one that you actually hiked, and then the one that the the AT says is the yeah. mileage, right? So, so that type of thing where they create or they do do away with I guess I want to call it like a spur but um when they do away with that section and it's straighter and it's not far from where you grew up it would have been kind of cool yeah. I mean it's yeah. but it would have been fun if it went through Mohawk yeah yeah it is because it doesn't I, actually go through Goshen anymore it would have been kind of cool if it, it went through my hometown but it would be well it's not okay. far you know it's not far off I think where it would have gone around originally probably would have skipped some really good uh, sections of, of mountain. Uh, when you kind of hit a plateau and then you have to kind of hand climb down before, uh, it's before Cornwall Bridge. I think it's between between Kent and, uh, and say, Route 4, St. Cornwall John's Bridge. Ledges, maybe? It might be. Yeah, I think that might be it. But it's pretty it's pretty steep, right? So if you're yeah, in the north, it's... that might be. Yeah. It's, I think you can get... There's River Road in Kent. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why I went off on that tangent, but I'm gonna okay. gonna get that uh, get this back on on track here. All right, we gotta talk about your trail name, and it just maybe you can explain a little bit about trail names on the AT. And first, you can talk about yours if you don't mind. So my trail name is Red Panda. This is kind of a long story. So people have trail names, which is like a nickname mm-hmm. for the trail, and I don't really so, know if it was born out of mm-hmm. just kind of a fun tradition. I think it's very it's become very common for all long trails now. Mm-hmm. 
if it's like a safety thing of anonymity or just for fun. Yeah. Gener- some people choose their own names, trail names, uh-huh. but more traditionally you earn it right. in some way, shape, or form. Sure. So it's more personalized. Mm-hmm. And my friend Alexa, who had through hiked the trail before me, she drove me, she picked me up in Connecticut, drove me to Georgia and hiked the first day with me. And wow. she gave me my trail name. Oh, she did. For some reason, yeah. I thought maybe your sister did. So it's also because of my sister. She sent me this little like red panda toy when I started my, before I started my hike and I put it on my backpack because she's my twin sister. She's my best friend. So it's sure. kind of like her way of contributing and being uh-huh. there with me because right. God knows how I'm going to contact her in Japan right. <laughs> when I'm on the AT. Yeah, yeah. So I had this little red panda toy on my backpack mm-hmm. and Alexa, before she left me on the trail said, you know what? I like the red panda and mm-hmm. you know, your hair is kind of red and you're kind of mm-hmm. cute. So red panda should be your trail name. So that's what it was. That's awesome. Yeah. It's like the outdoor version of Instagram. This yeah, is great. Yeah. <laughs> it was cute. It's re- I really like it. Mm. And partway through my hike, I asked my sister to make me a stamp with a red panda on it. Mm-hmm. Cause she's an incredible artist. Yeah. And I thought it would be fun to stamp all the trail registers with it, mm-hmm. with a picture of a red panda. So she did, and I got a red ink pad, and I don't even remember at what point that she sent it to me. I don't know if it yeah. was just like the last third of the hike or even the last quarter of the hike. She was just into stamp making at that uh-huh. time. She carved it herself out of rubber and mailed it to me. Nice. So I have that stamp as a tattoo on my back now. Really? Yeah. Wow. All right, well, I'm not going to ask to see your tattoos. Um, I'll show it to you later. But that's pretty, like, that's pretty it's cool. It's easily visible. Yeah, it's on your shoulder. You said the back of your shoulder. Yeah. That's cool. It is really cool. I mean, I don't. I can't think of anything else I would get as a tattoo. Yeah. So. It's a hard, it's a tough decision. Yeah. Especially if you're not, like, if you weren't into tattoos. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I that, never. That was me. It had to have a very special significance for me to permanently yeah. affix it to my body, so. I agree. It's, and if it weren't, for this guy Mason, knowing him and thinking about what an awesome, just an awesome person he is, made it a lot easier just to, to do it. Like yeah. it, I wouldn't. I thought I would never ever have. Yeah, a it still. It took me like three or four years to decide mm-hmm. to actually get it as a tattoo. I liked the idea, but I wasn't totally sure that I wanted it permanent. So. It took me two days. <laughs> I was heading for Pittsburgh. I knew, and then and then I started thinking about. It. I'm like, oh man. Why not? I really want to do this, but I really got to think of what I want on my once. body forever. Yeah, yeah. It just um, and yours isn't easily visible, so I wasn't even worried about that. It was it was being comfortable with whatever I chose. Yeah. So it's really cool that you had red panda had such significance to you that it was yeah. probably easier to even though you thought about it for a bit. It was, and it, it was, was a link to the trail mm-hmm. and the person that I became on the trail, and also to my sister. So. Yeah. First of all, it's amazing what you accomplished. I think that's huge. Uh, also crazy, but it's crazy, of course. But that's I'll take why. Amazing. That's why all of us do things, maybe like that, maybe mm-hmm. in a different way. But it's yeah, yeah it's I don't know. I think it's great, and I think, like you said, the timing, the timing was was great. Yeah, it just worked out very well, and yeah, it was an opportunity that would have been foolish to pass up. So. Right. 
which we'll get into later, but that seems to be how thing, a lot of things have, have kind of yes, uh, cascaded kind of evolved down. in my life. Yeah. My very odd life. Yeah, no. It's um, odd. Not in a bad way, but it's odd. It, that, this would not, is not going to be considered... maybe? Uh, is the, a better word for it? The people that listen to these... Uh, they know it. They know the life. Yeah, they'll identify with it totally. I mean, right now, just the whole, just the whole van life movement, where oh, people, yeah. there's so many people I know, and a lot of younger guys. And I think it's awesome that they're. I would do that if I could. Yeah, and they are. They're like, you know, they're at the right age, and everything we talked about before, the timing, and the reasons why that timing is is good. And these guys are setting up vans like the one I drive, and yeah. they go cross country. Oh, just, I've seen so many of them. It's so normal. This summer I saw it. There were tons. tons Look at any Walmart at night. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, whether it's a camper or it's a van, you know. Why not? Just the idea of of just adventure in general is... People like being nomadic. Yeah. Yeah, not not in one place. Um, So I'm I'm just going to live it through you instead. Okay. Uh, That's what my mother says. Yeah, right. Well, it's true. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great. I mean, I don't know. From your journal, I I, I pulled out a, a couple of the things that you had written, but one of them was was uh, is important to me because when I read it and then I got to know more about why you did it, uh, why you did the AT hike through hike. This made more sense. But um, you had written that springtime is my big time for adventures. At least it has been for the last few years. Although my life is kind of a weird adventure at this point. Um, and it continues to be. Yeah. But you're set, you know, the, the van life thing, same. It's, you're, you're really taking what most of us in a, in a regular routine would consider just a, something that, that most people won't allow themselves to do. Right. That have that freedom. So, even when people have that freedom or don't have the responsibilities, you know, whether it be because they're they have a family now or whatever the situation may be. You were saying springtime in this in this journal. Does that still make sense today? Because obviously we're four years on. It does. Yeah. So I work for the National Park Service now and spring is when you start your summer season. Mm-hmm. And the park service hiring is complicated and insane. But because most national parks are just busy during the summer, mm-hmm. they will hire people for six months in the middle of the year. Mm-hmm. So March, April, and May is when you start working for the summer. Mm-hmm. So the last three years, in April or May, is when I pack up my truck with everything I own, or everything that's important and essential to life, mm-hmm. and I drive for days and set up in a new place to live and start a new job. It's yeah. fun, but stressful. I would trade it, it, but... But if it weren't, then it may may not have the same effect toward the end of whatever that particular yeah. journey is before you start working your, your six-month stint. Right. Right? And even it's been... Last year I started the Seasonal Ranger Academy for Law Enforcement Mm-hmm. in January so the end of spring was this transition of 
graduating and, you know, kind of celebrating that adventure and then moving on to like actually putting it into practice and getting a job and that next adventure. So it's been fun. That's, that's cool. You know, and I last, do... last late winter, early spring, I went on a really long road trip because mm-hmm. eventually I'm going to have to get a, well, not have to, but we'll probably yeah. get a year-round job. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to make the most of the winters that I have free. We'll get back to the AT in a minute, but I did uh, read a little bit about, was it your stepfather, that, Dan, that, mm-hmm. that uh, outfitted your truck? He built something for your oh, truck? He built was a shelf, him? yeah. Okay. Like a wooden shelf in the back of my truck. Mm-hmm. So I bought a cap he used in North Dakota when I lived there mm-hmm. so that I can sleep in it. Yeah. So it's the idea was it for it to be more of a bunk so I could sleep on it and store stuff underneath it. Mm -hmm. But I ended up storing stuff underneath it and on top and then sleeping in the (laughs) empty side because it had a little more space. Uh But to make it, you know, an alternative to the van life, I could camp out of my truck for a few months, which worked really well. Yeah, and you were able, I I believe you, you said you found a way to make it secure from the, that you could control it from the inside. Yeah, because it has an outside lock. Mm Mm-hmm. But I got a pair of vice grips, and you can kind of just attach them to the inside so that nobody can get in. Oh, vice grips. Another use for vice grips. Simple and secure, yes. Yeah, vice grips and duct tape. What would we do without those two things? Yeah, it was fun. So last winter, I bounced from state to state to park to park and slept slept in the back of the truck. In between your your next job, summer job. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. I got everyone excited on this AT thing. I feel like we... Yeah, should actually talk about the I'm, I'm, Yeah, I'm obligated to finish this part of it, but I, th- I think you're, it's easy to digress in these subjects because they, I think they apply to so many people in so many different ways. Well, I'll, I'll ask you this about the hike. Do you feel like it was a, a kind, somewhat of a catalyst to, to all these different things? We kind of talked about a little bit, but did it give you the, the courage to try more? Uh, more different things? Yes. It's a confidence builder, I would think. It was, yeah. I mean, I moved to South Korea, and I think that was the big, you know, culture shock. Mm -hmm. I'm capable of living alone in a foreign country. I'm an independent adult, and I'll be fine no matter what I do. You know, I can Mm -hmm. figure it out. I have a brain. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, coming back to the States and applying that to the hike and the outdoor life, and then it just... When I was younger, I thought I would live in Goshen my whole life, but now I just can't mm-hmm. stay here for more than a month before I go a little <laughs> stir-crazy. Because yeah. there's so much more out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you open that door and you realize that, you just always want more. Yeah, the- I got that taste of freedom and independence and travel. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I haven't quite looked back yet. So. That's great. Yeah. You've no reason to, no. right? I don't know. In, in my world, the, the late, great Kevin Robinson, this professor, professional BMXer, he always said, uh, don't look back, you're not going that way. Which was exactly so true. Yeah, there's too many more things to do and see. So. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to do it in that particular way, right? You're... Huh. I mean... I've done it in many different ways. ways. Yeah. <laughs> through my new career, mm-hmm. through hiking, through just... Yeah. Driving around wherever I can, you know. Uh-huh. Do, oh, have you ever, has anyone ever really documented the amount of elevation gain and, and basically elevation gain, not necessarily drop, in the 
over the course of the AT? Because it's going to oh, yeah. be a crazy number. I don't know what it is, but it's the guidebook that I used, and now mm-hmm. they have apps. Yeah. But I use a guidebook, and they have the whole elevation mm-hmm. of the trail mapped out. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool. You get to, and I would carry the book pages with me. Mm. You can see the distance of the trail uh-huh. and all the elevation gain and loss. You have an idea of how steep of a mountain you're going to head up or what your yeah. loss and gain is going to be. Were they topographical or, or were they just graph? Like I, I believe you were saying graph, right? Uh, yeah, I didn't have topo maps. I just had the elevation profile. Mm-hmm. We're going to hit the... It's easier. Some of the... I don't want to carry all that stuff with uh, me. Well... That's what we're going to talk about yes, next. You have to because minimize. This one still blows me away because uh, just hiking for the short times that I have, as far as the overnights and, and packing for that, and a, a lot of it has been with the Boy Scouts, uh, which was great. How did you learn how to pack and prepare for this? Because this is pretty in depth. Yes. So, so everything you need to live, to survive, you have to carry with you. And Alexa, again, was really helpful. She, um, when I told her that I wanted to do this, she sat down with me and made a list of everything that she thought I would need. Yeah. Because um, she had done it before 10 because years Because she had earlier. done it before. Right. So she made this long gear list for me, and these are the things you definitely need. Mm-hmm. And then I did a lot of research on my own on the internet. But you'd have to try and minimize the weight of everything that you're carrying. You think you need a, a sleeping pad, a sleeping bag, clothes, something to cook with, fuel. Mm-hmm. And those things add up. And to buy the really lightweight, ultralight equipment is really expensive. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, the cost for people of taking five or six months off of work mm-hmm. is astronomical to begin with, let alone, like, adding in the rent that they're missing but then you add in like a thousand dollars worth of gear, like a thousand dollars, not a thousand dollars, maybe like five hundred dollars worth of pairs of shoes that you go through. Oh gosh, yeah. That adds up really quick. And I, again, I had the benefit of coming back from a foreign country and I stayed with my parents. I didn't have to worry about a job mm-hmm. or rent or utilities or anything like that. I was mm-hmm. f- totally free. Right. So, with the packing, so Alexa helped you with, with that. She helped me plan out what I needed. It was kind of a trial and error of how to fit everything oh, okay. in my backpack. So you were able to basically... And what I really needed and what I really didn't need. Gotcha. So you did like a, a mock pack and then had her kind of look through it, lay it out, and maybe not necessarily lay it out. Or did you just talk to her by phone and tell her what you yeah. had on there? Yeah. On the list? Okay. For the most part. And, you know, she... We used to call them shakedowns when we would oh, check Oh, we call them shakedowns, too. Oh, you do? Yes. Okay. Just to I never did, like, a, a did. legitimate shakedown. Uh-huh. There's, I think, one of, maybe it's Mountain Crossings, one of the mm-hmm. the very first outfitters that you hit on the AT, they do shakedowns for you. Really? Which is cute. Yeah, you bring your pack in, and they'll go through it with you and tell you what you need and what you don't need. It's cute. So that eliminates uh, accordions uh, automatically? Yes, like, I think I think I went in and, like... <laughs> They told me that I didn't need conditioner for my hair and like a whole bunch of other stuff and I didn't listen to any of it. I just kept carrying all the luxury, unnecessary <laughs> crap with me anyway because I was like, I'm not letting this go. I need it. Well, what, what was the ideal weight that people suggested that you get to with your pack? Oh, God. Some people, Le- less water. Some people hike with like 15-pound packs. 
I'm, I'm sure that's mine was like, that's not a lot. Okay. Mine was probably like oh, 25. Whew. Okay. No, no, no. You're, we're fine then. I was thinking if 15 is heavy. No, but some people manage to like too. be totally minimalist mm-hmm. and can make it work. Like, especially when it's like the height of summer and yeah, you don't need yeah. a very heavy yeah. backpack. You don't even theoretically need a tent. You can just sleep under a tarp. But yeah. not me. <laughs> wanted my tent. I wanted my sleeping bag. So. And it was going to sound crazy, but actually, I feel safer in a tent, believe it or not. Even though, I mean, the, the thinnest of all walls. Yeah, but, it's kind of ironic when you think about, like, yeah. the tent. It's just <laughs> the, it, the mental, yeah. I guess, satisfaction of knowing that there's some barrier between you and the outside world, even if yes. logically you realize it's just fabric and it's not going to protect you from much. Right. And I'm sure you've heard it's it. The but privacy you... aspect, I'm sure, is a lot of it. Being able to hear things outside during the middle of the night, whether it was a bear sniffing around because you left some kind of, I don't know, what do we call them, smellables, something like that, as far as hiking. Yeah, goes. anything with a fragrance. Yeah, yeah. It'll any, come after. doesn't matter what it is, right? So, so you had to bear bag yep, everything, everything and tie it up. The, the weight of the pack at 15 pounds was like, That's you would have had to me. eliminate yeah. so much. So what did you end up settling in on? I don't know exactly what my pack weight was. Yeah. I never wanted to know because I knew really? it was too heavy so I wouldn't weigh it. Yeah. So you could have been lugging more than anyone on the trail for all you knew. Yeah. <laughs> Did it make you Easy. popular? No. <laughs> because people wanted to borrow one, things? No, I had one guy in like, it was probably Tennessee. Yeah. I think it was Tennessee. And I was digging through my pack and he was like, well, you have way too much stuff. We need to do a shakedown. And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> we're not doing this. And I just like packed up and left. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's funny. Let's go over the basics of what you had. And we won't get into too much detail because people don't need to know everything. But just the the major stuff you needed, aside from food, uh, what did you bring? So I had sleeping pad, sleeping bag, tent. That's mm-hmm. like your sleep system. And then I had an al- a little alcohol stove. Mm-hmm. Like um, white gas or? No, it's denatured alcohol. Oh, okay. All right. It's cute. It's small. And you carry just the liquid. Probably smaller than what you would use if you went white gas, which that's all yeah. you use is white gas. Is it one of those like a large like metal bottle? It's an MSR. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, and you have a pump on yep. it. Yep, yeah. It's much right. smaller than that. And those bot- bottles are heavy. They are. <laughs> yeah, it's like a big metal water bottle. Yes. And that had it came as a set with like a little pop. A couple mm-hmm. pots, so that was that's pretty small and compact. I had a windscreen for it, mm-hmm. like half a sponge and a little spork, a titanium spork, and that's all I used to cook with. Really? Yep. That's half yeah, a sponge. Yeah. So we'd all pack up together, really right. small. So that's the food part of things. So you had a yep. like one cook bowl, basically, or pot. I should yeah, say. Yeah, there were two that like set nested kind of together, one on top of the other, and so you could cover it. And then you pack the stove into that? Yep, no? and the stove okay. went in the pot, mm-hmm. and it all fit together. The lighter and the spork mm-hmm. would all tuck in the same thing. Anything else? Water is a big thing. Oh, filtration then? So, this, like, Sawyer Squeeze mm-hmm. filters have become pretty popular, but I yeah. had a pen, which is like an ultraviolet light that just fries the RNA of whatever microbes are in the water so that they can't reproduce. And I, I didn't have any problem with it. Mm-hmm. 
I used that the whole trailer. I didn't get sick at all. And I've used it since. Too. Yeah. Oh, so you didn't have I a didn't have a filter, purification just the, pump kind of thing? No, no pump, no like really? filter, just the steri pen, yeah. That's cool because the time the times that we've used them in this we had to pump and it was Through such a, a pain because yeah. they would constantly clog. Yeah, that was the thing is that it is such a pain. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have the patience yeah, yeah. for it. I and didn't a lot know of people have trouble. Way. And I think those I don't think they can freeze. Oh, right. I think that right. some of the oh, the filters some of the stuff. filters, like I think the Sawyer ones can't. So you have to sleep with them in your sleeping bag to make sure they don't <laughs> get ruined. Oh, so aside from that, um, it would be more personal items, like if you were going to. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I didn't bring a like, book, obviously, but. Uh, every once in a while, I think I picked up a book at a shelter at one point. I don't think oh. I read much of it. No. No, but I had my phone, mm-hmm. and like an extra battery pack, like a little first aid kit, uh, like a little sewing kit, and like. Mm-hmm tape in case something ripped like mm-hmm. my, if my tent ripped or if mm-hmm. I needed to like sew my shoes back together and some duct tape and I love duct tape yeah like little odds and ends q-tips earplugs I mean, just like random right weird stuff and some clothes right not a lot of clothes I would mm-hmm. I had like a clean set of clothes for sleeping in but it was like really thin tights mm-hmm. and like a thin like polyester shirt mm-hmm. um, like a down really thin down jacket mm-hmm. in case it got cold. I had a synthetic jacket because those can get wet. Um, they dry faster. Yeah. And like when mm-hmm. down gets wet, it just, it loses all of its insulation. Oh, gotcha. Because it just compresses. We'll get to the food in a minute because I think that's really interesting. But um, boots, uh, hiking hiking shoes, hiking boots. What I thought was pretty amazing, and I may have misunderstood it, but... Um, you started with a pair of boots that you ended up... They were horrible. The, yeah, so... <gasps> I have hiking, really wide feet. So the yeah. I can't do hiking boots. Um, say you're going to go to the Grand Canyon, which Nadie and I have, have done. So you get your boots ahead of time and you wear them in. Yep. And then you go on your trip. Yep, but you changed. Smart. You changed after <laughs> a couple of days, right? Because they're yeah. It was a couple fit. weeks. Yeah, they just didn't fit well. And I didn't... Mm-hmm. I think I wore them a little bit beforehand mm-hmm. and thought that maybe they would be okay once they broke in more, but they didn't. Oh. I just had huge blisters and I was miserable. And, and you still hiked through with the blisters or did you have yeah, to take a break? Yeah, I just kept going. I think I took like a day off. Mm-hmm. Just kept going. Did you put like moleskin on them mm-hmm. or something? On yeah, the I had blisters? moleskin. That wasn't one of the smart things that Alexa told me that I needed. Was one of? Was moleskin, yeah. And that was like the biggest piece of advice she gave me. Mm-hmm. was no matter what, take care of your feet first. I've always had it in my pack. And then I, I, I'm starting to realize now listening to you that... It's great. I didn't hike far enough to even need it. Like, yeah. I mean, you were, you're talking two weeks into it. Yeah. You're like, oh, I need moleskin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Eventually, I, I, like, my blisters got so bad at some points that I would just wrap duct tape around my feet. It was bad, but I mean, I wasn't going to stop hiking, mm-hmm. you know. Would you consider yourself a type of person that has a really high uh, pain threshold? Yeah, maybe stupidly high sometimes. Well, that's that's good. And, well, yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I mean, people mm-hmm. live on ibuprofen on the trail. They call it, we call it vitamin I. <laughs> 
Are you serious? Yeah. Vitamin I. Vitamin I. <laughs> and something that I learned this That's summer yeah. from one of the paramedics, which I didn't realize before, mm-hmm. is you have to take ibuprofen continuously for two weeks. This is what he told me. Yeah. Before you start to gain the anti- really? anti-inflammatory properties. Oh, I see. So before that, you're getting you wow. know, the painkiller aspect yeah, yeah, yeah. of it, but not the anti-inflammatory, which... Oh my gosh! I wish I, I had known before. Was, like right away, I just yeah, assumed no, it was I instant. So too. Wow. Uh huh. So I lived on ibuprofen. Let's go with the food because this is pretty amazing. I think the food preparation and then having it mailed to a spot that you determined this must have taken a ton of planning. It was, but it gave me something to do. <laughs> I needed something to focus on. Before you took off. And, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to feel very prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like the more I prepared myself for it, the better my chance of success would be. Uh-huh. Some people don't send themselves any food, or at least very little, mm-hmm. because they can go into gas stations and find little places here and there to buy stuff from. But sure. I didn't want to live off of instant noodles mm-hmm. and mashed potatoes. So. Right, right. I dehydrated a bunch of food and I bought a bunch of things in bulk mm-hmm. that I thought would be better quality and kind of healthier and mm-hmm. chose a bunch of places on the trail that I could mail them to. How did you know? Pick them up. There's, um, there were some lists online. Mm-hmm. You can send things to post office, any post office, and as long as you say general delivery, care of, your name, and you just show them your license, though. Really? Yeah. A regular U.S. post office? Yeah. That's so cool. And I think... I'm going to try that in Goshen. Just for the heck of it. Yeah, I think I had to write... I wrote on all of them, you know, hold for AT through hiker, mm-hmm. um, expected date of arrival. and I think they keep them for, like, two weeks or something before they uh, can get rid of them. So you've got a really good window. So you had to, like, kind of plan it out in advance. Right. Which, but to be two weeks behind... Well, you could always call, or you mailed them all before you left. No, um, I had my mother mail them. Okay, I would, so you I could, would send her a text message or call her mm-hmm. on the trail and be like, I'm in this town. Uh, this is okay. the next place I'm going to hit. Okay. Can you mail the next package? But I had all the labels printed out for her. Mm-hmm. So she just had to print the label, uh-huh. package it up. She would take like, some of the dehydrated food out of the freezer, put mm-hmm. it in the box. The boxes are all ready except for the stuff in the freezer. Yeah. And then I had it linked to an online account mm-hmm. so that it would all automatically come out on my debit card. Oh, okay. So that she could print the label at home and then just drop it off at the post office. Already prepaid. Already just, prepaid, yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. That's pretty she cool. She had to weigh it. They bought a postage scale. Yeah, it was yeah, really yeah. Cute. So, I think she, like, secretly loved doing it. If I weren't working in the post office, I would love having her, your mom stop by. and Yeah, be like, it was so, fun. So and where it was, were we shipping like, to this time? I was. I had everything I could possibly need up in the loft in her house, like extra Q-tips and earplugs and band-aids. And I would just be like, "Can you send me more hand sanitizer? I need more toilet paper." So she could just like put it in and send it. So you, that's pretty cool. So you could, you could. Since you had your mom doing it, uh, you had that that person, that resource to do it. You could change it up. You could have her open the box, take out what you don't need replaceable do need yeah which she had to a lot of the time how many uh addresses did you send to over the course i don't remember it had to be like 15 between 15 and 20 over four four months basically right yeah five months five months okay wow did i ask you what you got rid of yet 
were there times where you just took stuff out and said, I, I just don't need this? Yeah, I think I took my, I had a small tablet to begin with and I thought it would be good to read books on. I thought I would be reading a lot and that didn't last long. It wasn't super heavy, but it yeah. just, I never used it. So it was pointless. I ended up using my phone. Uh-huh. I had like a really small like track phone and that was mm-hmm. perfectly adequate for what I needed. Because you're really just sending messages and receiving messages, and that's yeah. I would occasionally text. I would call my mom every once in a while, and mm-hmm. my dad once in a while, mm-hmm. um, and I would write my journal entries on that phone. Really? Yeah. And but it was like a really cheap phone back in 2015, right. so it didn't use a lot of battery. So that was all I needed. Yeah, and uh, I don't even think I started off with one. Yeah. Oh, I started off with like a solar charger battery pack that my dad got me. Mm-hmm. But it didn't work that well, especially no. once the trees started to grow in in <laughs> late spring. Because right. you're always in the shade. And then I just much, bought a new one. Let's get into mileage. I know some people are going to love this part because who doesn't think about numbers, you know, somewhat? You track your miles, how far you went each Every day. day yeah. to try not to either under or, or overdo it. Or yep. maybe or, And up. you have to line up with a place you can sleep. Right. And sometimes it's it's 15 miles or 45. That's probably an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. I think in some cases there's that much space between like legitimate shelters if you want to sleep at a legitimate shelter or campsite. I got you. So you just have to pick a spot in the woods if you were in between. Yeah. But you also want to be near, you might have to be near a water source if you're running out of water. Mm-hmm. There's some places where you're not legally allowed to camp on the side of the trail. Especially New England, a lot of it's private land so yeah, you, can't, yeah, yeah. you can't camp on the side of the trail and like the a... white mountains you're supposed to be in a legitimate campsite really? which is very difficult if they're that far apart <laughs> yeah they're far apart and you got tons of elevation tons of elevation Game. you can stay in some of the huts in the white mountains but you have to like get there mm. with certain timing and it's just a mess real quickly I think you would I've uh, written about that with the White Mountains. Um, that was kind of a, a strange situation where you could get a spot in there, yeah, but you can sometimes do, like, you had to work stay. for the... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what was that all about? So the Appalachian Mountain Club has huts in the White mm-hmm. Mountains where people, they'll pay like 100 bucks a night for a bunk there. Mm-hmm. But through hikers... You know, their schedule is unpredictable. They're not mm-hmm. going to pay. They can't afford to pay $100. They're already right. unemployed and right, blowing right. all their money. So if you show up at the right time of day, you can ask to work first day. And they'll, you can you help clean the kitchen or sweep the floor. And then they let you sleep on the floor in one of the common areas. Mm-hmm. Which is a really cool deal. But they can only allow like four or five people to stay at a time. Right, so you right. want to try and be one of the first ones there. If if you're not, you have to keep hiking and try and find somewhere else to stay. And you're up above tree line, and it's mm-hmm. very unsafe to just camp in the rocks. You mm-hmm. just have to keep keep hiking, and it's just horrible. I got really lucky. I stayed in I think two huts up there. At that point, you were looking at what month? July. Wait, mountains in July? Yeah, it must have been July. But because of the elevation, was it? Kind of that Mount Washington effect. Well, it wouldn't really be because that's yeah, further I, inland. After but. I hit Mount Washington, I kept going to the next hut, and I can't even mm-hmm. remember what name it was. And a lightning storm started to roll in oh, out of nowhere. Oh, and you're so high up. And that's I scary. just like that. Would, that 
I don't know if I was really scared, but I was pretty nervous that I was almost running on the trail. And it's not trail up there. It's just rocks, like really rough rocks. So you're falling painted like rocks, not, if anything. Yeah, not really wanting to get struck by lightning. Ugh. It's not, not a great way to die. No. This is about you, so I'll tell you my own story afterward about Nadine and I in the lightning storm. Scary. Yeah, it's stuff. it is scary. Because you're already at elevation. I mean, how do you they say yeah. oh lay low, blah blah blah. It it just there's no there's no way to be safe from lightning. Even like you think you're safe below a tree line, but you're not. You still you can still get right. struck by lightning. And there's conductors all around you, right? Yeah. Unless the trees are completely dead, but I mean Well even then, I mean yeah. There was a guy stuck at the park I worked at this summer and got struck by lightning. He was below tree line. I just hate he the survived, whole, like, thank God, but Yeah. Like the entrance and the exit of the Yeah. Of it's the energy terrifying. is oh my gosh, it's yeah, it's bad. I think I had a horrible attempt at this Henry David throw uh, <laughs> because I didn't follow through on that, but one of the reasons I wanted to mention the this the quote that I read earlier is um what did you learn about yourself as it went on in pull that one sentence? So it's probably totally out of context, but you can roll with it. But it was, I cried so much on the AT. I did. Um, part of, let me be a piece of it was related to the, to Henry David Thoreau says you go to the woods to basically find out what you're all about, kind yes. of, if you will. Maybe not necessarily tied to you cried so much on the AT, but maybe so. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? connection in maybe not even the connection just how how the trail uh maybe changed your thought processes and maybe humbled you at one time or built you up at one at other times it was very cathartic and it helped me kind of be become my own person Mm -hmm. so i had dated my high school boyfriend for seven years and we broke up this probably about a year before i started the at And it was very hard to move past because it had just been such an integral part of my life for so long Mm -hmm. that I kind of lost a bit of my sense of identity and Mm -hmm. independence because of it. Right. And part of the journey of the AT was the emotional processing and moving past that and like deciding what I wanted in my life now that I was... Mm -hmm free to kind of follow my own path unencumbered mm-hmm. which since then I maybe I'm a little too independent and unencumbered yeah that it's it's I guess I would say I'm selfish now because I can do pretty much whatever I want and it we call to, that selfish to give that up is very hard why, why do you think that selfish You don't have to answer. I'm, I'm just. I've since entered a new relationship, mm-hmm. and it's been hard to kind of figure out how to prioritize what I want to do with what is best for the relationship, right. which is, especially with the career that I have now, is very difficult. Mm-hmm. So I've just gotten used to being able to go wherever I want, do whatever I want, travel wherever I want. You know, before I could just buy a plane ticket to Japan and go backpacking for six weeks. But now right. there are 
potential yeah. consequences yeah. to that. Right. Relationship. So it's, it's kind of like flipped to the other extreme now where mm-hmm. before I didn't know what to do without someone and now I don't know what to do with someone. I understand. But the AT was like that instrumental beginning of that change of mm-hmm. I can do whatever I want. Which in, at first was incredibly overwhelming because I had no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. But isolating myself in nature and like having to like face that reality and really struggle with it was the best thing for me. Stressful and terrifying, which is why I cried a lot because I had to really discover who I was and I had no idea. Oh, so that was that, that, that what you wrote in your, on your blog was, yeah, that was what it read like. Yeah. It was real. So now, so it's just, made it a little more complicated and that's why you were saying selfish right so right because of because I'm used having to, someone else involved right and you're well, that you're involved with in your life and, and now you gotta make decisions yeah how do try I, not how to do feel I guilty? prioritize yeah <laughs> but it's it's funny because my boyfriend has worked for the park service for years now and he's kind of in the same boat where he's just uh, okay. yeah. done whatever he wants, uh-huh. knowing that every six months he's going to move. Yeah. yeah. So he's so probably more selfish than I am. So. Wow, that does, that does get tricky. So huh? we understand where the yeah. other person is coming from because we both have that struggle. Yeah, yeah. But we also still have that selfish pull. Right. So. But you're both interested enough in that next step that you both are aware that you may end up in different places for a period of time. Right. Like we like are six gonna, month deal we've been It's inevitable. Because you guys are both gone in the same six months. Basically Well he has permanent status now. So he'll work year round oh, in the same place. I gotcha. Okay. But I'm yeah. still in the I want to be I have to do a couple more years of seasonal work before I'm eligible for a permanent job. Yeah. So I have to bounce around for another right. couple of summers, and I, I'm not ready to give that up anyway. I think it's good. I'm sure it's difficult, but I think it's good. It is. I mean, he, if I was dating anyone else who mm-hmm. hadn't lived that lifestyle, it would be a disaster. Yeah, but because right. he's done it, you know, he has a level of understanding that right. somebody else wouldn't. I get it. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking about that. Yeah. I know it can't be easy to talk about some of this stuff, but it's... I can guarantee you someone is listening to this that's that can very much identify with it. Oh, I'm sure. So that which again, that's why I I love doing these, and I'm I was really psyched to do something that's other than what I normally do as far as the actual activity because either way you look at it, it's the same type of people listening that have the same type of things going through their minds. Right. Maybe they're in their early 20s and deciding what to do or at any point in their life so it there's a lot of parallels with you, you could parallel with really anything oh, yeah. because it's just living you it know is. and there's a lot of a, a lot of guys that ride and women that ride that want to experience as much of the the world as they possibly can on their bike yeah you know so me too just on my feet exactly so that, i guess that's yeah that's exactly that that fits what I'm what I was trying to to uh, put into words perfectly. So um, anyway, that's that's good stuff. Uh, so anyway, since you're talking about your boyfriend having permanent status, did he 
also go through the program that you did for uh, Park Ranger Law Enforcement? He did. Yes, we have the same job. Mm-hmm. But he already has his time in. Yeah, he started a lot earlier than I okay. did. He's gotcha. younger than I am, mm-hmm. slightly younger, but because I kind of goofed off a little and yeah. I lived in Korea for a couple of years and then I did mm-hmm. the AT and then I had another job, which is unrelated to the park service. Uh-huh. My kind of career path is delayed relative to his, mm-hmm. which is fine. Yeah, I, wouldn't, right. I wouldn't take back the AT or living mm-hmm. in Seoul. Um, but yeah, he's way farther ahead of me. As you said uh, before, you've got what, two more summers maybe, and you'll have... Right. Uh, actually, we never really... Two or three, ex- depending explained. on... Once you, once you graduate from that program, uh, you have to have how many... 24 months of federal service. Okay. So it, the summer that I worked as a ranger in Acadia, which mm-hmm. wasn't law enforcement, that still counts. Okay. towards my time mm-hmm. um, but it still has to be 24 months total before you can get competitive status mm-hmm. to compete for permanent jobs mm-hmm. so that's like my only really good chance of getting a decent gotcha. permanent job mm-hmm. which for the most part I'm okay with because you I'm not ready to be a real adult yet <laughs> well you know what's the rush exactly it's, you know um, and if the boyfriend wasn't in the picture I might goof off for a little longer but right right you know, well, now I have a little more incentive to settle down. Yeah, sure. But that's the glory of the park services. Mm-hmm. You know, not everyone stays at the same park for their full career. It's, right. it's normal to move. And you're still uh, accumulating time served. Right. Regardless of where you exactly. work. Yeah, as long as, long as, as you're in federal service. So. Sure seems like it. I hope so. All right, we'll do some, uh, uh, just a little bit on the actual, it's funny because we're going to say, I'm going to say a little bit about the hike itself, but kind of what I was showing you before we started recording with kind of that list of highs and lows of the, we'll start with the lows and we'll finish with the highs, but just. Of the through hike? Yeah, like just, just um, things that people may not realize it's, it's not all, uh, you know, like, like we sometimes do on online and whatever social media platform that it always looks better from the outside yeah not everything is 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 perfect so maybe just some some of your uh favorite moments and and maybe not so favorite moments and oh yeah there are like plenty of times where Mm -hmm. you're absolutely miserable yeah you know you're going through intense physical stress especially Mm -hmm. me with blisters on my feet so you're in pain Mm -hmm. you know you're cold you're tired you're hungry you're hungry all the time yeah. You know, you're hiking nonstop. You're hungry. You can't necessarily have real food because you're backpacking, so you have to carry really lightweight meals yeah. that you can boil in one pot. Right. Some days, you know, it rains, you got to hike through the rain or just stay in a shelter all day and just sit there. Right. And it's it's not always fun. Like your body is tired and it hurts and you just want to rest and that's why a lot of people give up you know they stop to rest and they're like god i like sleeping in a bed Mm -hmm. i like taking a shower like i want the comforts of real life and then they can never get back on the trail yeah i don't i do not blame them at all it's hard well you know what's funny is as mainstream as it may be i'm sure most people know of the author bill bryson a walk in the woods that's such (laughs) a great 
Yeah, uh, it for, sucks to carry everything you need yeah. on your back. Like, but he had his buddy start that was like, he was rocking like 350 pounds or something. He was yeah. like, just his body, you know, on, and if I remember the story correctly, he, he it wasn't even, I don't think it was too far into it when he just, I, I believe he stopped, right? Yeah. And then Bill Bryson, I'm pretty sure he finished it in the book. He I, didn't do the whole thing. He did a couple of sections. Oh, okay. So... Maybe he went sure. back and finished it. Maybe I don't know. Either way, it was. There were two different people. Right. And it goes back to what you were saying. They're, they're carrying like ridiculous well, amounts of food was, and like. Even if it was fiction, just it was like still totally funny. unprepared. Yeah. yeah, it was just yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> I now I have to reread the book because it was. Actually, I think I have it somewhere, um, or I've loaned it multiple times, so maybe it's not here. But uh, re- reading what his friend packed was hilarious. Yes, it was just it was just great. But, but so it's, the Cheryl Strayed book Wild was also really popular when I started my through hike. Mm-hmm. They made a movie out of it, and she hiked the Pacific Crest Trail. Mm-hmm. And she also just like started off with a whole bunch of stuff and like threw one of her boots into the woods because she was getting blisters. And I like. Wanted I will I read that book and I really wanted it to be like a teaching moment of where I would yeah, like right. have this epiphany of like how to prepare for the trail uh-huh. and it just made me pissed off because she was so stupid because yeah, yeah, she yeah. had no idea what she was doing it was so uh-huh. unprepared and just yeah. like decided on a whim to go on this really long hike. Meanwhile, I had spent like months and months preparing. And I was like, how could this woman be so stupid? Uh-huh. Like, but again, she was in a very different position than me. Right. Right. Like, she had a lot of issues in her life where uh-huh. she needed to work through. Yeah. I wanted it to be a story about hiking the trail, but it was all about her personal, emotional journey. It depends on what you're looking for. It's, it's been really popular. Yeah. Might be well, worth a try. I don't know. I, I suppose either way, you, you, you get something out of these, out of anyone's book that describes what they go through. Yeah. Um, may not be exactly, like you said, what you were looking for, but... Um, do you, do you want? Me? Sure. Right. Yeah, but it's uh, not. It's definitely not easy because you're you're also isolated from your family and your friends, and you know you're in the middle of nowhere. You don't necessarily have sure. access to cell phone service or the internet or mm-hmm. a shower. Like you go days without taking a shower. Like mm-hmm. basic hygiene. Did you have uh, people that you were hoping to to or or got connected with and just tried to move together, even if it was. It, gosh, such a practice of patience, I'm sure. But um, people that you were hoping to see again, whether they got ahead and then you caught them. Yeah, every once in a while. Yeah. There was a guy that I hiked with. His name was Chris for a uh-huh. few weeks. And I really liked this guy. He was fun, mm-hmm. you know. He was cute. Um, I saw him, like, a couple times. And then, like, we ended up at the same shelter one night. Yeah. And just... After leapfrogging for a we hiked together for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And then he got off, I think I got off the trail to come home to see my sister when she flew home from Japan. Oh, I didn't know that. And he, I don't know if he went, he went to visit friends maybe. But like we ended up disconnecting and then I caught up to him again. Mm-hmm. And then I think in like New Hampshire, I don't know. It might have been New Hampshire or earlier than that. He got off the trail to visit friends, and then I never saw him again. Uh, but that's the nature of the trail. Like, sure. people come and go. Mm-hmm. And I hiked on and off with people. There were two Australian 
women and their mother. Mm-hmm. The daughters were about my age. No way. The Aussie legs, yeah, and they were hilarious. They were great. I, I really did liked read them. About them. Yeah, and there was a couple, Coco and Magnus, that I really liked. And there, there were all kinds of people that I would see on and off and really right. liked. And it ended. I got really lucky that it ended up that I. Like later in New England, I ended up hooking back up with the Australian girls mm-hmm. again. I, they caught up with me, or I caught up with them. Mm-hmm. I think we like left each other notes in the trail registers and eventually met up. Oh, cool! And there was another guy, who ended up like the the last maybe week or so. I don't even remember. Uh huh. His trail name was Silent Force. He was a really nice guy. I think he was from Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And then we decided to finish the trail on the same day. Oh. So. Like, the last week, we would camp together in the same places at night. Mm-hmm. We decided what day we were going to yeah. summit Katahdin and finish uh-huh. the trail. And that was nice. It was nice to have, like, a group of people yeah. to, like, have that ultimate experience with. Yeah. yeah. And some people, they, they'll make tramilies, trail families. Oh, they call okay. Them yeah. And they'll hike with them for months, sometimes yeah. the whole trail. Yeah. Wow. I couldn't do that. No, I was too I mean, independent. Yeah, <laughs> but I can see the appeal of that because then it's just like a giant party. Sure, sure. Depends on the personality, I guess. Exactly. But I'm, I'm too much of an introvert. So, but it yeah. was fun. It was fun to finish the trail with them, and then yeah. my parents or my mom and her boyfriend, mm-hmm. now husband, picked me up in Baxter State Park, and they brought a cake. Uh huh. And they brought like little like certificates. Of, Certificates of completion for the people that I hiked with on that day, and oh, it was adorable. They brought them? Yeah. So this my mother printed them out. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It was adorable. Wow. At the end of the hike, I, from what I read, it it was pretty amazing because you got off the trail just in time to go to Alexa's wedding. Yes, which was like the next day. Uh, it worked out a, perfectly. Yeah. Well, scarily sort of. perfectly. I kind of well. The original plan was for Alexa to meet me mm-hmm. at Katahdin and finish with me. Sure. But because she was so busy because of her wedding, that plan and ended up going out the window. You cut it really close. I did. Well, to missing my wedding. friends had decided that the day that they wanted to finish was the day before mm-hmm. the wedding. So it ended up working out really well. Because she lives in Maine, so it was a... I don't remember how far. It's like three or four hour drive from Millinocket back to Mm -hmm. Acadia to go to her wedding. Right. So. So you, uh, knowing ahead of time, you kind of broke up the mileage and and said, okay, I've got to do at least this each day to be on time. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because we were talking about the end of the trail, I thought about this a a bunch of different ways, but I would think, and I, I guess I'm looking for your opinion on this. How difficult is it to to kind of rejoin society, if you will? I mean, some people just haven't talked to people in months outside of the right. the hiking community. Right. So you're totally isolated from normal life. And then, but for you, it, this this makes it even uh, more interesting to me. A day after you're at Alexa's wedding. So you never really had that kind of uh, like slow reentry, but somehow you were able to do it. I just, I'd like to. Well, you know, Alexa knew what it was like, so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. 
I don't even remember. I think I actually wore a dress to her wedding, but I told her, I was like, my parents made me go buy, like, nice shoes because I don't have any, sh- like, shoes to wear except my hiking sneakers. My, well, I think I was in she Merrill's. probably didn't care, but... <laughs> no, and she was like, I don't care. Yeah, just come. No, just wear whatever you want. It was an outdoor right. wedding, and it was very relaxed. Yeah. But, and, you know, all the, I had other... There were other people I knew there that they were just excited to hear the uh, story, so... I got you. So it wasn't like... It wasn't that bad. Straight to... It wasn't like stiff, like, and, very formal ceremony or anything like right. that, so... I got you. I got you. It was... The lo- longer term, there were definitely effects... And the I went back to Acadia as an intern mm-hmm. with the education program after I finished my through hike mm-hmm. and worked with Alexa again. And um, the director of the program wanted me to start working as soon as I got off the trail. And Alexa was like, "No way! Like she's gonna need some time." And she was right. Like I I went mm-hmm. home for two weeks, you yeah. know, to get all my clothing and uniforms and mm-hmm. and things, and to like mentally and physically recover before I went back to work. Sure. And that was horrible. Mm -hmm. Like going home and like having to be inside and around artificial light and like my body just like gave out at that point was horrible. But then I went back to Maine and had to work with like 30 middle schoolers at a time after being alone in the woods and it was just overwhelming because they're loud and annoying and well, I was going to say just your sensitivity to to noises any any noise yeah and like even like getting used to sleeping crazy. in a bed again yeah yeah I bet and it was I nice bet. to be back in the park where I could mm-hmm. be outside and have those trails very accessible right right you know but I had to live with other people again and it was yeah it was hard so it was not the slow entry, re-entry that you had had known that you needed. Maybe Alexa knew, maybe. But. Yeah, I was. I think I needed something to do. I didn't want to be stuck home, mm-hmm. like living with my parents, trying to figure out mm-hmm. what to do with my life because I still had no idea what I wanted yeah. to do. Even after. Well, I knew that you- I wanted some kind of outdoor job like mm-hmm. something to do with conservation or the parks mm-hmm. or but nothing I would there's nothing really specifically that I wanted to do I would have loved to have worked at that point for the National Park Service but I didn't want to be a seasonal worker like right. I am now which right. is ironic that <laughs> now I love it when I was so resistant to it before <laughs> but the idea of like having to pack up and move every six months was just intimidating like it's such a pain but I, you kind of ended up sort of liking it in a way I do like it now yeah I hate it too because it's stressful and I get sick of packing and I get mm-hmm. sick of moving and it's a lot of work mm-hmm. and it's like my future is always so up in the air mm-hmm. that it can right. get stressful and frustrating but mm-hmm. it's also fun that I have that flexibility and freedom to kind of go wherever I want right and now right. that I as as I spend more time working for the parks mm-hmm. you know my resume builds up and then I have more options of working in different places mm-hmm. so and especially once you're able to completely utilize that for to become a law enforcement park ranger or right it's that opens a lot of doors yeah 
so now you're counting these months down, like we talked about before, the 24 months um, this year. Or do you, I forget, do you already know where you're ending up this year? No. Okay. Part of me really wants to go to Alaska. Mm-hmm. But it's getting to the point where all of the parks that I've applied to are starting to send out availability checks. They send mm-hmm. out to everyone that's eligible on their, their list mm-hmm. of applicants. They send out emails that asking if you're still available and interested for a position. And like mm-hmm. every time a different park comes up, I think, oh, I would love to work there. Yeah. I would love to work there. Not all yeah. of them, but a lot of them. For the six month. Yes. Deal. For mm-hmm. not, not to exceed their 1039 positions. So that's the number of hours that you would work in oh. six months. Okay. That's what they're called. Is, so there's so many parks out there, you know, yeah. America is so huge that the right. opportunities are endless. Where would it be in Alaska? It sounds like that's your goal. So where would it be and well, why do you want to well, be in Alaska? Well, that's the thing. There's so many parks mm-hmm. in Alaska that are amazing. Like, when else am I going to get the opportunity to go to Alaska? And we're not just talking, like, Denali, right? Uh, no, there's Denali. There's Kenai Fjords. There's Glacier mm-hmm. Bay National Park and Preserve. So much none of us know about. Katmai, Wrangell St. Elias. There's so many. Depending on the park, some of the seasons are shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of them are four months, five mm-hmm. months, six months. It, it, a lot of it is dependent on the weather, mm-hmm. and f- especially on funding. Right, right, right. So the maximum they can be is six months. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're less. I'll ask another question that may be crazy and maybe not, but how concerned are people that work in the Park Service, knowing that it's a federally funded program, how nervous do people get Every time, every uh, four years, when when the election may or may not change government funding. Oh yeah, I'm, well, I so, mean the government shutdowns affect the parks. Right, right. So those employees are, yeah, like on a yearly basis now. Sure. In January, out of work for yeah weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a disaster, and like oh, when they do they, it, they keep. They, yeah. yeah, and yeah, they yeah. sold off a bunch of public lands, uh, and they that's keep crazy. they keep pulling rangers from parks uh, to do border surge patrols mm-hmm. because of the situation with Mexico and the wall, and mm-hmm. it's just a mess. Oh my gosh, the park service like is it. a mess. Yeah, uh-huh. the parks keep getting more and more popular. Yeah. You know, visitation increases more and more every year, but mm-hmm. the funding decreases, so there's less rangers. Yeah. To handle increased amounts of people, so right. it's just a mess. <laughs> the the reentering uh, society was, was something that I was I was really curious about because yeah, it was hard. It, and it sounds like everybody uh, uh, yeah, deals with I, it differently. I think so, yeah. And I think like there, well, I think it's not as bad now, but mm-hmm. there were a lot of really long term impacts of I really wanted to be alone and I really wanted to be outside for. Uh, a long time a lot of the time and that's part yeah. of why I, I love my job now is that mm-hmm. it allows me to be in the parks and outside and mm-hmm. active in that way yeah you can have the time to yourself that you need right okay I mean I get to live in national parks I mean what could not I know. be good right. about that you know I have all the hiking trails that I want in my backyard the sacrifices okay. that I make to live that lifestyle of Mm-hmm. moving all the time and we don't make a lot of money right right is worth it because you know mm-hmm. i get those benefits of having a a job that i love right in places that i like it's worked out 
do we miss anything about during the hike? Just any uh, things that happened that were notable to you or made you made you feel a certain way or pushed you toward toward one you know thought process or another of, of the future or did, or did it all kind of just when it ended just made you feel more confused as you re-entered yeah society, i mean you know I, mean? I think a lot of people go into the go into like long trails and long hikes thinking mm-hmm. that like it's going to be some pivotal change in their i guess they think they're going to reach some epiphany about life mm-hmm. and you don't you know you end up just as confused at the end as when you went in <laughs> well you know what i mean the vast majority of people I just wanted to hike. But, I think I was like really crazy where I just was like so into just like going because I was so afraid of like stopping and not being able to go oh, again, right, right, right. maybe. Oh, I But I mean, you. you're outside all day and right. it's great. Like yeah. everything you walk through, even like the boring parts of the trail is still beautiful. Right. You know, right. you're always in nature. Yeah. Like you go to bed at night and you hear the wind in the trees or the rain on the roof of the shelter or on your mm-hmm. tent and it's great it's immersive you know it's yeah. just you get used to it yeah yeah which most people never get to experience no. but like that's our basic human nature that's yeah. how we should be in yeah. some ways so i never camped yeah well i camped but i never backpacked into uh-huh. anywhere before i hiked the at yeah. which is outrageous because i it, could have like gone one night and realized i hated it and had it all blow up in my face what? but yeah it, i didn't even think about that like i was crazy I mean, I guess we talked about it, but it didn't hit me until just now. I mean, I liked hiking and I liked camping, but I didn't necessarily combine the two and have experience doing it. And how physically challenging it would be. Right. I didn't even think about that when we started, that that if you hadn't done a lot of hiking, I realize you trained a bit, but you didn't Yeah, do, that's not necessarily the same as no. walking in the woods. Honestly, unless you're a winter hiker and like enjoy winter camping... Um, there was really no way for you to try this out because you were training during the winter, right? Yes. So I, I did sections. And I can't remember like when I really started so where went... the, there wasn't a lot of snow. Mm-hmm. It was fairly cold, but like once you start moving, you warm up. Yeah. So yeah. Pine Knob Loop and Cornwall. Oh, right. And like right. that intersection with, like, with Breadloaf Mountain and there's a mm-hmm. bit of the AT that kind of runs along it. Mm-hmm. I did that a lot. During the late winter? Yeah. Okay. Maybe not late winter, but... So you didn't have a lot of practice setting up, let alone you didn't know if you were going to be setting up in the rain the first yeah. night. Yeah. Which you didn't, right? I don't it, know. Not the first night. Too... I think, like, the second or third night it poured. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think so... I asked Alexa to, like, try and come get me and... Joking? She... No, I was serious because my tent was soaked and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. So what'd you do? How'd you resolve that? She couldn't. Um, I like. I don't even know if she got my. I think she got my messages. Well, she was already on her way back. Then, no, right? she was gonna meet me, like to check on me and make sure that I didn't yeah. like bail. Want to bail last yeah, minute? Yeah, Jeez. Um, so took your mother, or not? Yeah. <laughs> not really your mother, but, but she couldn't a, find a trail mother. She couldn't find like a dirt road to get to me, so I ended up just hiking to the next like she, main paved road she lied to you. and like she hung up all my you. stuff and like. <laughs> Dried it out, and by then I was like, "Oh, this is fine." Yeah, it, and by then I was good. So you learned as you went. So she brought brought some baby wipes, so I could give myself a baby wipe bath, and that was it. I so you guys going. did connect. Yes. All right. So it wasn't Eventually. a total a farce that she was just like, "Oh yeah, I'll I'll be there." But yeah, no, she tried. Yeah, she's a good friend. 
She would have understood if I wanted to bail. That's awesome. She she sounds like a really good friend. She's a very cool person. Yeah. She sent me Appalachian Trail socks for Christmas. No way. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's They're great. Really cute, yeah. That is really great. We'll go post AT. Okay. Because I think we, I don't know, you happy with what we covered? Yeah. AT wise, because we don't know. We don't need to get over it. It was a lot, we, a lot of hiking. That's just the, yeah. the gist of it. Which, Walking outside for mm-hmm. hours and hours a day, setting up camp and cooking and then yeah. hanging out a little bit, packing up and doing the right. same thing the next day over and over and over. Occasionally you hit a town and take a shower and right. eat a pizza and then keep going. Pizza. Yes. We have to talk about this quickly because... Always pizza. Who's the pizza fairy? So... My now stepfather uh-huh. would send me money with like almost every box that my mother would mail to me for Did pizza. she know it or did he hide it in there? Oh, no, she knew. Oh, okay. And it was almost always $20, except one day uh-huh. I remember there was $17 because that's all he had in his wallet at the time. And it was like, and she had to get the it was package the sweetest out. thing ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I'd... And it started out that he would just send me money to be nice, but then yeah. I would always spend it on pizza because that's always what I wanted uh, to eat when I went into a town. Yeah. So he became the pizza fairy. That's awesome. Yes, it was really cute. That's great. That that was one of my favorite parts. Yes, of I think every this. single town that I went into was mm-hmm. a pizza. Always pizza, because <laughs> it was hot. It had like. The carbs, uh-huh. the protein from the cheese, some right, vegetables. Right. It was like the perfect combination of everything you need. I well, I love that part, and that part uh, I believe you can only find in the in the in the blog. Do you do you want to tell people where they can read the blog or no? If they want to, yeah, it's trailjournals.com. Yeah, okay. I, I kind of totally. I mean, I put that, it on the internet when I did my first program mm-hmm. as a park ranger, and I was like totally nervous because mm-hmm. I'm not a great public speaker. Mm-hmm. There was someone there that had read my trail journal, and it was the most awkward thing ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before my first public program on a boat at Acadia National Park, but... That's right. I read about that because you were kind of... I keep wanting to say a a docent, like in a museum, but it was... um, You were in Acadia, so you were... You were a tour guide, kind of. Yeah, for, for, pretty much. It's a horrible explanation of, or description of what you were, but at a very basic level, that's what it was. That derailed you, like, what was? Did you yeah, say it was your like, first I, day doing it? It was my first solo. Yeah, solo program. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had watched other people like give this tour before, but I had mm-hmm. never done it myself. Uh huh. And it's like an incredible amount of information that you have to learn mm-hmm. and be able to regurgitate. Yeah. And I, I was totally overwhelmed. Now, it was, it was hopefully like now you can so look back. So bizarre, yeah. To have someone, yeah. It was cool, but I told you the story before. It's very weird. Like I have no life is weird. I have no idea what the reach is. I have no idea, for the most part, the majority of the people that are listening, because not everyone comments or messages yeah. me or whatever. Right. But it's quite strange when you meet someone you don't even know that knows all about yes. everything you you've said and. I didn't think about that beforehand at all. So yeah. I'll turn that back world. over to you. But deciding to do a journal on, uh, what was it called again? Trailjournals. Trailjournals.com. And it was so originally, it was. Red Panda, it's. Yeah. Okay. Red Panda. It's under my real name, too. Mm-hmm. 
and there the original intent was just for it to like I would post a little thing every once in a while so that my family would know I wasn't dead. Sure. Because right. I couldn't send an email or a text message to yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. all the right. time. Right. And it kind of I got I got into it. Yeah. You know, it was it became something for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm in retrospect, I'm really glad I did it because there's no way my brain could hold all those memories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I go back and I read things that I wrote that I wouldn't remember otherwise. Yeah, right. Because it's like so much happened in those five months. That yeah. I mean, my, my, my approach to what I'm doing is, and my reasoning is, is a bit different than yours, but it's um, that as far as, you know, publicly putting your, your stuff out there. Right. You know, um, but I don't think it makes it any less easy uh, or any less difficult, I should say, for, for anybody to to realize once you hear like you did from someone that was on the uh on the on the boat you say on the boat yeah and that knows all about everything and which it's cool but in a way like we were just talking about it's like wow i didn't realize i exposed myself that much right now now i'm totally good with that. I'm, it's it's fine and i think in most cases i think it is good and it is. I didn't realize at the time how much of a community there is surrounding the trail. Sure. And how much people love... And it makes a ton of sense how much people love reading mm-hmm. other people's journals so they can live vicariously through them sure. and experience that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people that have desk jobs and that will never get the time or the opportunity right. necessarily to through-hike mm-hmm. love reading those stories. Yeah. You know, for me, it was just like a posted on the internet for my family i never thought yeah. like total strangers would read it but they yeah. did it's kind of cool you know it's really cool i'm i'm grateful you did it because otherwise i would know nothing that i this podcast interview would be a lot different if i if i didn't have that resource to, yeah and to when to i was pre- a little bit more when i was preparing for my hike they were mm-hmm. i read other people's and they were incredibly helpful yeah. for me to yeah, know yeah. like what it would actually be like to mm-hmm. be on the trail so, right, right. There's a lot of benefit to it. I got a lot out of it. I didn't read every single entry, but um, I think probably my sister is the only person that did. Bless her soul. Really? Oh, I mean, I when I was putting together questions for this, I I read quite a few of them, but I purposely did beginning and end, and then I, yeah. you know, little ones in between. It kind of hits a couple of things that you wanted to do at the time, aside from the, because you didn't realize it's reach before, but sending a message to your family that only they would recognize was you. Right. So that that's pretty cool and pretty important. But yeah, I I guess what, one last thing I wanted to say about the, the during the hike, uh, you filling in the middle was, was perfect, but the beginning and the end are, are pretty important. That prep up to the hike, yeah. And then finishing, I thought for sure. Like I think about, I think about time uh, in my life where I know I'm going to have some downtime. Maybe Nadine's away. Whatever the whatever the story is, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do all this stuff. Like yeah. and uh, like I'm going to read this. I'm going to write this. I'm going to. It never, <laughs> it never ever happens that particular way, and so I would have assumed. Before, or I was assuming before I before I met up with you, was that you had, well I, I mean I keep going back to reading like you, journaling I guess ended up replacing reading and then right. you would probably just conk Go out sleep, for the yeah. night. Yeah. So, 
Whereas I kept thinking, oh, you have all this spare time because you can only hike so many miles in, in, in a day and not compromise the rest of your hike. Right, physically. So I thought you had all this spare time that you were solving no. the world's problems no. and you were just... And yeah, I mean, you have all day to yourself to think, mm-hmm. but that's all you, you just think. Mm-hmm. Because you think yourself in circles. While you're in this trance of walking. Yeah, that's what I liked the most was mm-hmm. you just have all this time to just think. Mm-hmm. Which has got to be healthy, no matter which way yeah. you look at it. It has to be healthy. It is. It must have been healthy, I should good. say. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's not. But yeah, very little free time. Thing. What's that? Very little free time. I mean, you sit around at night, and sometimes you're with people mm-hmm. at a a shelter or a campsite, and you sit sure. around the picnic table and you chat. But then people mm-hmm. kind of disperse and go to their tent or their sleeping bag and just do their own thing. There are probably a few similar personalities yeah. of, as far as it's where very, you are in life when right. you're out there. And I, it takes a very particular mindset to want to mm-hmm. and to successfully continue mm-hmm. through hiking. Yeah. So yeah. you always have that in common with everyone mm-hmm. else. I think Nadine has a time. She probably really does have <laughs> a timer on me somewhere uh, because she knows you far better than I do. <laughs> probably through your mom. Yes. Uh, but so I won't. Uh, I mean, my mother loves to tell my life stories, Staggerman. No, actually, I don't know that for a fact. She does, though. It I is know, a fact. I don't, I don't know I'm how much. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, well, I don't know how much Nanny knows from your mom. But I, I knew it would be easy to find out if this was even doable once I, once yeah. I talked to you. So it's, uh, so yeah, I mean. And thank you for doing it because yeah. it's not uh, good timing. Yeah, the timing. Because who knows when I'll be back? I know. Hey, you told me. My life like, just keeps getting this crazy. This is it. You're yeah. not gonna see me again for a year, probably. Uh, which, which is awesome, by the way. I mean, it's yeah. really it, as much as I would, I would miss our kids if they were gone for that yeah, amount my, of time. My poor mother. Yeah. But it also but gives you, her the opportunity to come visit me and see mm-hmm. new places. So it's a yeah pros and cons, you know. Yeah. 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 No, I, I completely agree. I didn't want to jump off this. Uh, all right, so this is post hike stuff. Okay. You did the you did that Henro Trail, uh, which In is Japan. also known as that. That Shikoku. was another spring adventure. Yeah. Okay. The island of. Oh, Shikoku. was another spring? So that. Yeah, I think I, it was like March, so March mm-hmm. April. Uh huh. I think I finished in mid April, kind of, and then went uh-huh. back to Tokyo. And it was, uh, I had it written down here somewhere, 700 miles, 88 temples. So 88 Buddhist temples around the island of Shikoku uh-huh. in Japan, yeah. Oh, I'm not too smart. I <laughs> I thought it was around Japan. I didn't know it was an no, island it's a, off Shikoku of is the island, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The name of the island. I have a couple Japanese friends, and they're going to listen to this and laugh at me. Yeah. I know they are. Well, I Tri- wouldn't have known anything about it if my sister wasn't there, so... Satoshi, the next time you see me, you're going to have to tell me to learn the islands around Japan and not just Japan. He's a really awesome guy, this guy in, in Japan. He's just, he, he's awesome. Um, and they, he comes out once a year to ride these mist trails in eastern Pennsylvania. Awesome. And he's like this amazingly skilled 40-something-year-old. It's crazy. He rides like an 18-year-old. It's so it's him and there's a couple other guys. They come and visit yearly to ride just for the, the trails. Yeah, if that's what you got to do. Yeah, and they've got tons of connections. Do what so you they, enjoy. 
Yeah. I, I personally know, maybe it took me forever to learn that the world is just so big. It is. And it's, uh, I, the, I, the United States are so big. I know. I know. I mean, I'll, I work as a park ranger and I'll yeah. never be able to visit all the national parks that I want to see. Right. In the United States, let alone travel overseas. Right. So. Yeah. I have to go. Well, we let our passports expire. So now I, I have to one. go. Yeah, I have to go renew it. I've got a, I've got a friend that I am definitely going to, uh, to, to visit that lives not, not too far outside of uh, Amsterdam, I think. That'd be cool. If I'm, cool. if I'm wrong on that, sorry, Ari, but I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm going to get there. It just, it, it would be really, we've been to Ireland, but I haven't been, aside from that, really not much of anywhere. Um, but yeah, I think everyone should have a passport. And yes. a lot of BMXers do. They go to oh, I bet, yeah. a, a lot of uh, um, South Africa uh, is a popular spot to go. Australia, if you can work it out, because that's just a whole gosh yeah. so far. But anyway, it's, there, like I was saying, there's a lot of parallels. A right. lot. Did you already know much about Buddhism before that? No. Uh, then I definitely want to hear what you, what you think about it. And so. it's very interesting because Alexa is a practicing Buddhist now. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not religious, mm-hmm. but there are definitely aspects of Buddhism that mm-hmm. I've heard from her that I would probably relate to more than any other religion. Right. Yeah, it, and it I always want to try and like learn more about it, mm-hmm. but I'm always on the move, and there's not really that much of a right. opportunity to find a place where I could learn from. I could read a book, but I would rather right, right, you know, go somewhere and really be taught. Uh, yeah, it's far more effective. Yeah. So, so you went to 88 temples. So yes. at each temple, were there residences, or there weren't residents of that temple in uh, most of them or were they all active temples they were all i think they're all active yeah i don't know if they necessarily have like someone like living monks there. there yeah um but they're all active mm-hmm. they you carry a prayer slip with you mm-hmm. and they have different colored prayer slips for like however many times you've done this pilgrimage no way and i think all of mine were white and mm-hmm. then like the more and more times that you do it your mm-hmm. prayer slips get fancier and fancier. So they have people that have done this pilgrimage like 50 times. And they have these really Whoa. ornate looking prayer slips. And you deposit one in the prayer box at each temple. Whoa. You traditionally recite a prayer. Mm-hmm. The, it's called the Heart Sutra mm-hmm. at each temple. And I, I did it in like very terrible Japanese at each yeah. temple. Um, and then deposit a prayer slip. And that's the tradition. Then you move on to the next temple. That's really cool. It was cool. I really liked it as much as I like was not necessarily immersed in the Buddhism mm-hmm. aspect of it. I was Yeah. It was still a pilgrim a spiritual pilgrimage for me in a way. Sure. Because I was trying to like recapture that experience that I had on the AT. And it's not a typical religion. In fact, it's not really a religion. Right. Yeah. It's more like a way of yeah. life kind yeah. of an so, attitude, like a concept of mm-hmm. life, sure. like the interaction of, I guess, of living things mm-hmm. and kindness. I think one of the most important things I learned when I was when I was studying it, 
uh, was that if I could only get to this point, uh, knowing that accepting the impermanence of life, so yes, just really completely being at peace with yes. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, cessation of uh, basically not being so attached to worldly things. Or yes, which was a big part actual- of VAT. Was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, because you learn that you only need what you can fit on your backpack, yeah. really, to survive and be happy. Uh, like, one of my greatest joys was like coming home and throwing away and donating a bunch of my stuff. I was like, I just don't need any of this. It's, it's like not past, what makes me happy. It's like your past life, your. A skin that you peel off and yeah. look behind. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally get it. Um, but yeah, that's why it's interesting to me. Yeah. And the friend that I'm going to go visit was a monk at one time. Oh, that is yeah. very interesting. Yeah. I don't I'll know if I can do that. I'll tell you more about him after. He's the, the coolest guy. Just the Sounds nicest cool. guy. But anyway, I, I, was really, uh, I was really interested in that. Um, so anyway, aside from that... Uh, I think most of your, aside from Acadia, most of your park experience post-hike, or I should say most of your park experience was post-hike. Yes. Where where are the different places, the different uh, parks that you worked at after the hike? So my first season was at Acadia National Park. After the hike. Yeah. Well, I had worked there as an intern. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So my first I get that confused actual and... park ranger job mm-hmm. as like a federal employee was at Acadia mm-hmm. in 2017. Gotcha. All right. So two years after the hike. Really. And I decided that I did not like public speaking that much. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to stand behind the visitor center desk and like regurgitate the same information 6,000 times a day to every visitor. So I went to the law enforcement training academy. Mm-hmm. And 2018, last year, that summer I worked at Theodore Roosevelt National Park in North Dakota. Uh-huh. And then this summer, 2019, I worked at Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado. So I went, the... I went from, like, really busy park to, mm-hmm. like, very low visitation park. So, mm-hmm. like, Acadia has, like, three and a half million visitors a year, and Theodore Roosevelt has, like, 300,000. And then yeah. Rocky Mountain is the third most visited park in the country. It is? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. It's crazy. Oh, my. So many people. I would have figured it would have been... Um, Yellowstone? Yes. I you have a couple of friends that work in Yellowstone. But no. It's surprising. Isn't that, like, bizarre that it's... Yeah. I, well, I think it's... I think it's the Grand Canyon is the top, and then maybe the Smokies. I always forget the Grand Canyon is the yeah. part. Not because... I mean, it's obvious. It's, it's yeah, so it's heavily... Part of the National Park Service. Yeah, yeah, it's so heavily used, it doesn't even seem like it anymore. Yeah. And then I don't know where I'm going to work this summer yet. But you'll know soon. It's hiring season, so I'll find out in the next probably few weeks to a month. Yeah, and until until then you go back to Texas? Yes. Okay. For Uh, a little while, and then he's moving to Tennessee to a new park, so. Gotcha. I don't really know what I'm going to do. Oh, so once he moves uh, to his next job. I don't know if... I don't know what his housing situation is going to be, so Mm -hmm. I might be in limbo for a little while. Sure. And I also might be able to work at Big Bend for a month or two, depending on Uh, how that works out, because they're um, understaffed right now. Gotcha. And that's where you just came from? Yeah. A little bit of time there? We went to... For fun? Yes, on a nice little vacation. Cool. Yeah, that was fun. And now it turns out that might be an option? Yes, I have a friend who works there. Yeah. She said that they're... 
they're looking for people to fill in until they can hire mm-hmm. some more permanent rangers. I won't make you talk about chocolate. Was it chocolate? Food. It was M&M's in Oh, particular. M&M's specifically. Okay, yes. gotcha. gotcha. I've graduated to like dark chocolate now because if I just ate milk chocolate M&M's all the time, I would be yeah. obese. Dark chocolate is just a more mature version exactly. of everything. Exactly. I'm 30 now. <laughs> That's I eat so dark chocolate. Right. Exactly. Makes... But yeah, I ate so many M&M's. <laughs> I would like make trail mix and then just eat the M&M's and leave all the nuts behind and it was bad. It was so bad. But I was always hungry. Well, when you're hiking, right? Yeah. I mean, it's... It's like it's... nonstop burning calories, so... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, since she hasn't listened to an episode yet out of 87, I think, then she's not... How, long you, how many years have you been doing stuff. these? Just over two. But the first year I went heavy, and I... Yeah. I I d- it's not that I did an interview every week, but I posted one every week. Because I would, I I still do. I'll go to an event where I'll over two days I'll interview oh, four people. people. Yeah, so you that makes you, sense. Know, you stack up these interviews yeah. and then you slowly uh, release them. Well, I shouldn't say slowly because I was releasing them every week, Jeez. and they were two or three hours, so it was a lot. And <laughs> finally, I was getting word from aside from a truck driver driver friend of mine that people couldn't keep up. Really, with the amount of content I was putting out as far as yeah. the length of the interview so not just for that reason but I started to slow down on them this past uh, winter because uh, I went a year and four months with doing them every single week I was posting Jeez. them it's a lot of time Talk about uh, just the social challenge of reintegrating into the we'll call it mainstream yes uh, which society. I will never be able to do yeah well that's why I'm a park ranger. Yeah, well, you can still actually, live in the woods. I'm going to read one of your quotes. And this was a year... This was probably six months after you finished because it was in February of 2016. Actually, maybe... I don't know if you, if you don't want to answer this. Don't, don't worry about it. Okay. Um, because they may have relevancy, they may not. I think hiking the AT uh, skewed my perception of life and reality. Is that still somewhat true? Somewhat true, yeah. It's been long enough that I've, I've adapted mm-hmm. more. Yeah. But it definitely changes your perspective. Mm-hmm. And I'm very much... And I, st- I still get moments of time where I have a lot mm-hmm. of trouble with perspective. I get caught mm-hmm. up in daily life. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot easier for me now to step back and think, I'm going to die someday. I want to do what I want to do and enjoy my life before I die. Mm-hmm. And And part of that has gone into working for the park service and you know, traveling more and just having more fun instead of worrying about... I mean, I went to an Ivy League university. Mm-hmm. And you're expected to graduate and start a career and earn as much money as you right. can. And that's not what my life has become. Right, right. And a lot of that... A lot of that was going to college and realizing that wasn't the life I wanted, but then the AT was the first right. realization of that in my life. This is what I want to do. I will get more out of this than I we'll get out of doing sure. something else, any career move or right. anything like that. I think I learned more and the, from the AT and it was much more beneficial to me than all of my four years at college, by far. All right, you tell me if this has changed or not. This was also post-hike. 
you'd written, I still have no idea what I want to do besides ideally rehike the, uh, the AT <laughs> every, every year. year forever. So obviously that's changed. But at that moment, uh, this would have been, I don't know, four months after you finished, something like that? Probably, because I had no direction. Yeah. St- you know? yeah. And I have, I have direction now. I have at sure. least some semblance of a career path. Yeah. Yeah, but you it, know you don't want to hike the AT every year. I know that. Yeah, I mean, a little. I still right. wish I could go back and do it, and I can't yeah. do it now because yeah. I could, but it would be really difficult because yeah. the summer season is the easiest time to get a job yeah. in the park service. Right. But you know, I, I've kind of cheated my way into a career that's kind of as close as possible to mm-hmm. hiking the AT every year. Yeah. Oh, there are park service. There's a park service. I think backcountry ranger position that is mm-hmm. patrolling the AT. Oh, really? Yeah. So wow. theoretically, I could do that, but that's, I don't think there's a lot of long-term career potential with that job. So. Right, right. Yeah, and that's, the, the, you don't have a, a set place for six months. You're just on the trail. Right. I mean, or, I or think they, they would probably have to provide you with some sort of housing to mm-hmm. like... Along the way. Yeah. So they're not always on the trail. Right. I got you. I'll read one other one because I could read these that you wrote all night. But uh, uh, let's see. God, I I missed a trail. This was also, again, uh, four or five months after. Uh, God, I missed a trail. The air, the lifestyle, the freedom from worries, the open season on the M&Ms. Yes. In my my trail mix, (laughs) life will never be the same. I mean, obviously, this this is somewhat, you know, I'm sure you intend that being funny, and it is funny now for sure. But yeah, I mean that's. that's I do, I miss the trail all the time. Yeah, I really do. I guess once you do it, and and this is also what makes this interesting to me, is that that people that have hiked it once they've hiked it once, it seems like a lot, a lot of, of people, people want to go back. Go back, to, yeah. yeah. Or it. they hike other long trails, you know. Mm-hmm. They do what I did. They go to Japan or they do the PCT or right, they go right. to Spain and do the Camino. And I can't even pronounce the Australian trail, the uh, Australia The Bibbleman trail. Track. Is that what it is? Yeah, they kept, okay. the Australian girls that I hiked with kept talking uh-huh. about it. And I just, I wanted to do it so badly. Maybe that, someday. That that, I think I could do that in winter because of the. They're opposite. Yeah. 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 Kids just finished school there. It's the weirdest it thing. It's weird, yeah. I, I don't I don't understand it. I know some people there and it's just uh it it's it's crazy. Hi Jason. He's in Australia. Uh it's a large and crazy world we live in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's fun doing this because the the, the tangents that we go off on you know, that you talk about are, are just more important than all the things yeah. you know, every single thing I wrote down. Okay, uh, see, we talked about your, your return to society uh, because it, it does have a different effect on everyone, right? But it the, does, yeah. Some people, I mean, there are like Facebook support groups for post-hike depression because really? it, it's just so hard to readjust. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we're animals and like you're out there in nature at your like most basic level. I mean, probably as close as you're going to get unless you're living in the wild. Right, hunting right. your own food and homesteading, but sure, right. You know, it just and then you come back and it's all about money and things uh, and having a house right. and 
So it's not just social interaction. It's oh, it's everything. It's, it's like every great. aspect of life. That's what I really didn't think about when when I was writing down questions like that. That it does encompass it. I had it stuck in my head. It was mostly the social interactions that would be most difficult because you're really socially interacting with people that are all doing the same right thing, on the trail. You know? But yeah. those people still all come from different aspects of life. They right. have different careers. Yeah. So yeah. you can still mm-hmm. relate to them in different ways and learn from them in different ways. But Gotcha. I got it. it is always weird to come back and have people ask you questions because they have like no idea what it's like. Right. We're going to finish it on, on something. <laughs> this is going to encompass a lot, so I apologize. But um, do you have any specific take away from your experience on the AT overall? Oh, jeez. Now it's a big question, but... Whenever people ask me about the AT, or I've got, I've gotten a lot of people asking me for advice, or, you know, they're thinking about doing it, and I just say, just do it. It was the mm-hmm. greatest experience that I ever had in my life. And it was more spiritual, in, not religiously spiritual, but just spiritual and mm-hmm. magical in every way than any other experience in my life because you relate to people on a different level you engage with people on a different level you get a very strong sense of community and you you learn you do at the very basic level learn about yourself and i think it gave me a lot of freedom and independence you know and all the the introspection that i thought would give me some like huge life epiphany but didn't Mm -hmm. um still allowed me to be able to travel and do my own thing and be okay being on my own Mm -hmm. which I really wasn't before you know I had never really been totally alone Mm -hmm. and as scary and intimidating as it was at that point it is the best thing I've ever done is to just do whatever I want to do and again I'm selfish in that I can do and want to do that more and more and more as I get older because I just mm-hmm. get used to it and have had all these really cool opportunities. Right. But it, it's not true, just the trail. It's just if there's something in life that you want to do and that you, you think you would really enjoy, just do it. Just try it. I mean, what have you got to lose? Right. You're going to die eventually. And I, right. I always tell my mother that, like, I'm going to die eventually. And it sounds so negative, but it just means, you know capitalize on your life as much as you can because you never know when that opportunity is going to end mm-hmm. and even I have to listen to that advice more because I keep lately having to make these big life decisions about relationships and where I'm going to go next for my job and how that's going to yeah. work out long term and mm-hmm. sometimes I like start thinking about the fact that my parents are eventually going to die and I start to panic and I'm like I need to spend more time with my parents mm-hmm. yeah. but just you know live your life mm-hmm and make the most of it, which is very, very hard to do because you still need money, mm-hmm. you still need food, you still need the shelter, but you got to strike that balance and put everything in perspective. I that's a, that's to. the hard thing is perspective. Just make sure you take yourself out of your own brain, mm-hmm. look at the bigger picture, mm-hmm. and just don't get caught up in the stupid materialism of daily American life. Mm-hmm. Which... Which is so hard to do, but... Unless you're hiking. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Unless you realize how little you can live. Real quickly, uh, you know, we talked about the the island trail, the Henro Trail with the Buddhist temples. That was post-AT hike, but 
did that also kind of reinforce exactly what you're talking about? Because Buddhism is... Yeah, and that, that, that hike was really hard because I wanted it to be the AT, but it wasn't. It mm-hmm. was a lot of road walking and not as much trail. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Which was really tough for me. And I don't. I would never do it again, mm-hmm. but it was still a really good experience for me, and I wouldn't trade that. Yeah. And now I, now I work at a job where I can hike all the time. And right. I, that's all I want to do is hike. So. Uh-huh. That's great. Yeah, it's fun. I'm lucky. Yeah. I'm extremely lucky that I, I have the physical ability and the freedom in my life that I can. Right. You know, I don't, right. have, I don't have kids. I'm not married. Your confidence brought you to that, even if it was just, just enough confidence yeah. to get you yeah. started. I need more confidence now for my job, so it, it's, right. it's grown over time. But you got confidence in yourself and what you're capable of. Right. And that's and you had that, that, that peace when you were hiking, so that's, that's awesome. I became stupidly fearless. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not the case anymore. Like now yeah. I have a little more sense, but yeah. I have more of a sense of self preservation. I'm more sure. careful with yeah. with my life and my body, but Right, right. It was all or nothing on the trail. So Right. What's it? I am I, I think I beat out the timer. I right. think I'm okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Thank you for doing this. You're welcome. I appreciate it. I told you it's huh? it was the greatest thing I've ever done. I like talking about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, there's not that many people that sit down and talk about the trail sure i'm gonna find more yeah i hope so i like to sprinkle these and I'm, I'm going to enjoy sprinkling these in here but it's just adding more more layers and hopefully helping other people and myself learn about something different than what that yeah, we're all used it's to perspective yeah we're all in the woods but we're yeah. riding bikes yeah. in the woods which I like is riding awesome bikes. but maybe not in the woods as much yeah it's, it's different it's a whole different yeah animal um, you know and for obvious reasons but um but yeah just being in the woods which is what most people want to do that i hang around but yeah just being outside and not not in i get it yeah so thank you and i'm glad i caught you while you were visiting yes me too yeah i hope you're having a nice visit before you head back out it is it's nice uh, it's nice to have like a limited time at home so i don't get too stir crazy and, can yeah. and pack everything in and enjoy it as much as I can before I Definitely. go back. That's it. Uh, we talked about where people could find it yes. on the trail journals um, under your, either your name or Red, Red Panda. Panda. Will it come up either way? Yep. Okay. It should. Cool. So if people want to read the, the entire blog over the five months, more five, than five months, Post Hike 2 is on Jesus, there. Yeah. You've got it all figured out. Really uh, yeah, I wish. It yeah. sounds like it, but You're in right. reality, it's, it's not the case. Yeah. Thank you for doing it. You're welcome. All right. Signing off. Thank you. <laughs>